You're listening to 106.9 here on Tune FM. In the wake of the continuing discussions, protests and lawsuits surrounding the New South Wales government's controversial decision to continue logging in areas frequented by koalas, we are joined by UNE Professor Carl Venez to discuss the decline in koala numbers and current threats to their population. A 2020 New South Wales parliamentary inquiry determined that koalas would be extinct in the state by 2050 unless urgent action was taken, highlighting the need for immediate intervention. Professor Venez has worked in zoology for over two decades and has a keen interest in conservation of mammal species, including kangaroos, wallabies, and of course, koalas. He has also spearheaded the Koala Survey Project, a project where anybody who spots a koala on the Armadale campus of UNE is encouraged to take a photo and submit details through the UNE website or via email. The data will be used to further understand koala movement and population numbers. Uh, Professor Venez, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Ben. No, it is absolutely our pleasure. So we'll start off with a question that I think a lot of people will have fresh in their minds. We experience the horrendous black summer bushfires in 2019 and 2020 and although not the most immediate threat to koala populations how did the bushfires impact and affect the numbers that we have seen across New South Wales? Yeah well a lot of animals died in those bushfires you know some estimates say that a, a billion you know individual animals died of lots and lots of different species and koalas were very prominent um, you know you saw them on the news uh, being fed water by firefighters and and burnt and in in um, in you know terrible pain and being taken into care. So we do know that koalas definitely died in those bushfires and that habitat was damaged. Um, but you know lots and lots of animals were affected. And and the worrying thing is that you know we're approaching a, a summer where we might see the same kinds of fires and the same kinds of impacts happening again. What are some of the bigger threats to koala habitats at the moment? Well, it's interesting that we opened with bushfires because, yes, bushfires are a threat. Uh, these are anthropogenic fires. These are fires that are happening at a greater intensity and over a larger area than perhaps they've typically happened in the past. And the reason for that, you know, we, we're pretty sure is, is changes in uh, fire frequency and intensity because of climate change. So fires are definitely an impact. But, you know, the fires are, um, you know, perhaps the 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 last straw for koalas, you know, um, and especially given, you know, we, we've got these increased fires. So um, that's the last straw. But really what's been happening for decades and decades in New South Wales and in fact across the koala habitat, uh, koala range, is that we've been uh, degrading habitat, we've been uh, clear felling forest, we've been slicing it up into smaller and smaller parcels. We've been, uh, and in between those parcels, koalas have to cross roads, they have to cross paddocks, they have to go through suburbia where there's dogs uh, that threaten them. Um, so there's all those reasons that the habitat loss and the habitat fragmentation is really what's caused koalas to decline. And then, you know, the big the big sort of um, news items are koalas are dying in our bushfires, but they're, you know, the koalas that have made it through, the few koalas that have made it through that much bigger event of, clim of um, sorry, of, of habitat loss. And of course, the bushfires is the story that gets all of the attention. Everyone, you know, everybody reports on the on the bushfires. And at, when the bushfires were were taking place back in 2019, that was, you know, it was a big focal point. Was the numbers of animals that we were losing? But if it's the habitat clearing that's doing the more damage, before that, that's almost like a silent killer. Exactly. You know, we see these horrible photos of koalas in distress uh, during bushfires, where our emotions are heightened anyway because of the fires that are happening around us. 
Uh, and then we see these poor animals that are suffering and we feel that, oh, you know, if only we could do something about this, we might solve it. But the big issue really is, um, is like you say, that like we talked about, that the loss of habitat that doesn't really, you know, small pieces by small pieces, little bits of habitat being degraded over time doesn't make the news and it doesn't show koalas um, with their beautiful faces looking back at the camera. Make no mistake, they are an extraordinarily cute species. Well, they not, are. That, not that species that aren't cute should be disregarded and left to, to die, of course, but they are a very, they are a very, very... They're a very easy species to feel sympathy for. They are, and, um, you know, we call them a flagship species in conservation biology, you know, a species that, um, that we can get behind, and by conserving those koalas, perhaps we're conserving the forest, well, we have to be conserving the forest they live in if we're going to conserve koalas, and that will help a whole lot of other species. So, yeah, there's, the, you know, the, the fact that they're cute um, doesn't, doesn't hurt no, of course not. And given that, uh, obviously, we've spoken about the aesthetics of them, of course, if uh, worst-case scenario comes to mind, if we do lose a great number of koalas or, you know, touch wood, this doesn't happen, but if they do go extinct in New South Wales and across Australia, putting aside the tragic loss that would be, would that have any negative impacts on the ecology of the environment? Yeah, it's hard to know. Uh, often we don't know what the impacts of species loss is until we lose that species. And then we realise that ecology is complex, um, that ecological systems are um, composed of thousands and thousands of species in any one place that are all interacting. So it's hard to say what loss of koalas would be. Some people might say, oh, well, they're just a mammal that eats eucalyptus leaves. What's the big deal? But, you know, the other way to look at it too is that koalas have um, have been on this continent for hundreds of thousands of years as a species, maybe longer, and um, and you know our actions are causing them to decline and, like you say, possibly to extinction. And and you know as as custodians of the land, we probably have a right uh, we we have a sorry a responsibility to preserve those species, to try and save those species, not to um, cause their extinction. It's not it really. You know, morally, you could argue that it's not our right to drive a species to extinction. We should be doing everything we can to save it. I completely agree. We are, we are obviously the dominant species on planet Earth, and a lot of the time we don't seem to be treating our fellow species with uh, as much uh, respect and care that we should be. That's right. And, you know, they are, like we, we talked about, a flagship species. So they're a species that people love. They're, they're, they're cute. They're adorable. Uh, they're, a, they're an icon of Australia. And what does that say to the rest of the world um, or to other Australians, um, you know, if we let these uh, species like the koala go to extinction? Exactly. Now, as we spoke, as I mentioned before, the uh, 2020 parliamentary inquiry indicated that koalas could be extinct by 2050. Based on that, do you think that the state government and the federal government, of course, are doing enough to protect koala habitats and koalas themselves? Honestly, I think a lot more could be done. There are some good initiatives out there. There's some. Uh, there's a lot of money being put towards koala conservation, but at the same time, some of those issues that underpin koala loss, like habitat clearing, uh, probably haven't been addressed uh, to the degree that they could be. And you know, we are down to a, a fraction of what the koala population once looked like. So there really isn't a lot of room to you know, to experiment and make, and, and make mistakes when it comes to um, preserving koala habitat. So, you know, I think uh, more needs to be done to, to, to protect koala habitat that's in existence, but 
we also need to be putting koala habitat back in the landscape. So those fragments of habitat that are good koala habitat, but the koalas have to cross open country to, to get to, it's not a big ask to, and not a big job, you know, we're a rich country, we've got resources, it's not a big uh, ask to then connect those habitats up and, um, and through corridors and get, and get that connectivity going again. And then koalas can move around the landscape a lot better and then they can build up their populations in places where they might not be viable otherwise. And that's, uh, that's some things that you think the state governments could be doing to protect them, initiatives like that? Yeah, sure. Getting behind um, revegetation schemes um, and protecting habitat that is clearly good koala habitat. If we cut it down, turn it into, you know, paper products, wood products, sure, that's good for the economy, but uh, if you lose a koala, if you, sorry, I'll start again. If you lose a species like the koala, you can't recreate it again, you know, so short-term gains, sure, um, but we need to be thinking long-term when it comes to um, protection of threatened species. Speaking of uh, long-term strategies and long-term plans, uh, before the New South Wales state election this year, the uh, now government, uh, the now in-government Labor Party uh, promised to create a koala national park. Do you think that's something that could really be of great benefit if it was successfully created in the, down the track long-term? Yeah, certainly. There are places where we know koalas are in high abundance and you know, high density. So there are obvious places where we can protect koalas, we should be protecting koalas, and uh, it's relatively easy to identify those areas and then to put in the appropriate protections. So a koala national park is, is a good idea, but, but all national parks that have koala habitat in them and all forests, large tracts of forests that have koalas in them should be protected as well. And to turn to again, uh, hopefully this does not wind up being the case, but if we do nothing and continue the status quo as it is and continue the amount of, of habitat clearing and environmental destruction that we're currently seeing, do you think, uh, how long do you think it would be until koalas went extinct? I'd hate to put a number on it. Um, I'd hope that we don't get that we don't get there. But the, the important point to make about that is that um, scientists, conservation biologists, wildlife managers, they don't they don't say these things without good backing. You know, so it's not a it's not a made up story that koalas are threatened. Um, it's not a figment of our imagination that koalas might go extinct. The writing is on the wall that it could happen. But that's you know, we've still, we're still at a point where it's only it could happen rather than it's going to happen. Uh, so, you know, now's the time to act. Now's the time to make those protections, to get behind koala conservation um, and do something about this iconic species because too often in conservation, we get down to the last pair or the last individual or the last population of something. And when you get to that point, the chances of recovery and getting that species back to the numbers it was before is is really hard almost impossible you could say for many species but koalas are still out there they're still reasonably widespread spread they are not in the numbers and in the places they used to be but we've still got a chance to do something for koalas it's not at that critical point of their population yet but it is at a critical point that we, where we need to start to act well, let's look at a, an optimistic scenario now. If we do manage to turn around and we are we put in uh, successful initiatives and strategies to not only reduce the, not only stop the the elimination of koalas, but instead uh, see numbers start to grow, do you think they could get back to what they used to be before we saw the large decimation of population? Yeah, ab absolutely. Koalas they're resilient. 
Um, there's, there's not a lot that a koala needs. You know, it needs to have the right mix of tree species in a forest to, um, for food. It needs to have connectivity between habitat. It needs the habitat to be there in the first place. Um, you know, there's some disease issues with koalas, but we can deal with that as well. So really none of these are impossible tasks. Um, it's all a matter of how important we, we see that kind of thing to be. Just to wrap things up, we'll talk just a little bit about the Koala Survey Project because, as I mentioned before, it's a program that yourself and you and I have started where people who see a koala here on the Armidale campus can take a photo and submit it along with some details of where the location was uh, to the UNE website or by submitting an email to koala at une.edu.au. Uh, the uh, results will be used to sort of determine where uh, koala numbers like to be and what, what the numbers are looking like around campus. What will the results of that survey and that data do? Will you, what will you be using that for? Yeah, I wished I'd thought of this, you know, two decades ago when I started at UNE, although of course we didn't have the technology then. Um, so yeah, now there are posters all around campus. There's a little QR code. You can scan it with your phone. It'll take you to a, a, a sheet where you can fill in what you've seen. You can upload a photo of the koala you photographed. What that gives us is a location and a timestamp, you know, so we know that a koala was seen at this place. It's real time, so I get an email saying someone just saw a koala, and so I could actually go out and verify that sighting, get some better photographs, and maybe get individual IDs and start to understand where individual koalas are on campus. So one of the things we want to do is say, how many koalas do we have, you know, because koalas have, you might have, you know, noticed they've got interesting white patterns on the grey fur, and so you can actually um, identify individuals in a, you know, in a population. So how many individuals do we have? Where are those koalas located on campus? Um, do those individuals range across the entire campus? Do they just stay in the, you know, northern car park? Like, where are they? Um, and, um, and, that will, and what tree species are they using? And that will hopefully long-term help us to understand well, what we need to do on a smaller scale on the UNE campus in terms of koala habitat, where are our koalas currently located, where can we, and therefore we can, you know, uh, enhance that habitat, we can connect that habitat up with corridors in a tree planting scheme. So we can look after our local koalas, and so that's, that's the idea behind it. And everyone loves seeing a koala on campus, you know, if you saw a koala on your way into work or into, onto campus to go to a lecture, it's a, memorable, uh, it's a memorable event, and you may have even taken a photograph of it because of that. So. Um, we're encouraging people to, to upload those photos and, and help us build a database. It certainly brightens up my day. I do remember an incident a couple of years ago where some lovely international students had seen a koala and obviously for the first time because they were very, very excited, they were taking photos. They had to be uh, warned quite quickly against touching the koala because that might not go down so well. Um, you mentioned that there was um, that you could tell the individual koalas based on uh, individual markings. Have you named any of them yet? Are there koalas that pop up enough that you can recognise them? Yeah, yeah, we, I'm giving them pretty, pretty corny names, I suppose, <laughs> you know. So, um, uh, you know, uh, the koala scene near physics, I called Einstein, for example, oh, you I know. Love so, that. Um, or, you know, um, yeah, so we've come up with all kinds of interesting little names for them. Um, some of those koalas are probably the same individual named more than once, and so as we, <laughs> as we gather data, we'll hopefully sort of refine that. Um, yeah, and then we'll, we'll share that information with the university community. And, it's, you know, it's important to stop and think too that, you know, we're on a campus here in Armidale that uh, has koalas, you know, and it's got echidnas and it's got redneck wallabies and, 
swamp wallabies and and sugar gliders. You know, we've we've got an amazing campus with wildlife um, that includes you know some of our most iconic species that we should celebrate. Do you, uh, for individuals who are maybe looking around, seeing if they can spot any koalas, have you noticed any particular hot spots? Is there any parts of the university that people should be specifically keeping an eye out if they find themselves walking through? Yeah, the the sort of hot spots at the moment. Um, there's been a few seen in the courtyard, sort of just near where we're where, where we're talking now. Um, there's a couple of trees, you know, just to the um, to the uh, west um, of of here. But there's also uh, the, the above the northern car park in that kind of bit of forest up on the hill above Ring Road. There is a is a spot. Um, and another hot spot seems to be the, the the bit of woodland between the St Mark's car park and Ring Road near the Natural History Museum. Um, quite a lot of koalas are seen there as well. So there you are. If you are walking through those areas, uh, make sure to keep your eyes peeled. And if you do manage to spot a koala, please take a photo and send it through to koala at une.edu.au along with details of where it was located or follow the links on the university's website. One more thing I did want to ask because you mentioned before that during the, the Black Summer bushfires, we saw firefighters, you know, feeding, uh, giving koalas water through, through containers and whatnot. As we unfortunately are looking like we're going to be heading into another pretty bad fire season if uh, individuals are out there and they do spot a koala you know maybe dehydrated in a bit of distress from if there's been a fire recently if, if there's been a very obvious drought or a lack of rain is it safe for them to not hand feed them obviously but pop a bit of water into a into a container and just let the koala drink from it that's that's okay to do yeah absolutely um you know we I, I grew up you probably grew up with this idea that koalas don't drink you know we're always told koalas don't drink um, but, you know, in these severe droughts, in these high temperatures, these dry conditions, koalas actually do um, turn to water. It gets that desperate for them. So, you know, those iconic photos of a firefighter with a water bottle feeding a koala and the koala drinking from it is is amazing image to see. You probably don't need to do that. But if there's, you know, a koala that you see in a tree that's looking a bit stressed, um, there's certainly no harm in putting a dish of water at the base of the tree or... Um, near the koala. If it's a koala sitting, um, looking very distressed, certainly a dish of water beside it. Uh, but then it would be a good idea to call Wires or, or another wildlife care organisation to, to get that koala some help. And that, that was definitely, a, that's a good piece of advice to end on. If you do notice any koala that is in, or any real, uh, any animal that you do see in extreme distress, make sure to give uh, Wires a call if you're up here in the New England area or your local wildlife emergency number as well. Uh, Professor Venez, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It was wonderful, thank you. Oh, it's our pleasure. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM on the home of UNE's student-powered radio.